It's pretty incredible to uh, to see our community, even though um, we're still a small ranching community, that uh, people really care about connectivity, and, and, it, and for some families it does drive where they live. Welcome to Episode 365 of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. While Christopher attended the Mountain Connect Broadband Conference in Colorado, he met up with one of the folks working on the Rio Blanco County Broadband Network project, Cody Brooks. The open access network has long been on our radar due to the scope of the project and rural nature of the area it serves. In this interview, Cody updates us on their progress and describes why the western Colorado County chose that particular model, and he also explains how they've tweaked it to suit their environment. Cody offers his ideas on why the Rio Blanco County Fiber Network is reaching such high take rates, and he shares a few stories of subscribers who came to the community specifically for the fiber. He talks about how they funded the network and describes the benefits it has brought. Chris and Cody also talk about Project Thor, a regional effort established when local communities decided to band together to reduce costs and improve connectivity. Now here's Chris with Cody Crooks from Rio Blanco County, Colorado. Welcome to another episode of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, normally in Minneapolis, but today in, I guess, Keystone, technically, near Dillon in Colorado for Mountain Connect. I'm talking to Cody Crooks, the Rio Blanco County Director of Communications. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, Cody, you are um, running one of the most fascinating networks from my perspective, um, a municipal, well, county-owned network in northwest Colorado that um, just, I think, blew everyone away with the support you've had from the community for it. So let's just get started with Rio Blanco, um, not a major urban development situation, right? No, What's Rio Blanco not. like? <laughs> uh, Rio Blanco is very uh, diverse when it comes to topography. Uh, we've got uh, extreme mountains in the uh, um, eastern side of the county and then uh, more desert in the, in the western side. Um, we only have two towns, um, but they are 65 miles apart. Um, so when it came to uh, doing this type of broadband project, we had to uh, to think about, you know, all aspects. You know, most of the time people always want to know, you know, which is better, fiber or wireless. Well, for us, it's both. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have a fiber um, footprint in, inside both of our towns, and then we uh, wireless have wireless throughout the rest of the uh, the rural area, which is substantial. I mean, you're you're a very large county. Very large. Uh, we're the uh, second or the third largest uh, county in Colorado for uh, um, landmass, um, but uh, we only have six thousand um, constituents and about twenty eight hundred households total. Um, so I mean, we're still really small, mm-hmm. but uh, very large county. And your network is totally built out now? No, we are actually in the final stages of doing um, our, our network. Uh, our fiber network will be completed this year. Um, but our wireless, we uh, just started our uh, first phase of our secondary towers um, for the, uh, the wireless side. Um, that's going to reach uh, um, a lot of our remaining constituents, uh, but not all of them. Uh, so we are looking at doing a potential second phase um, to reach that last um, you know, a few addresses out there. Um, it's just around 100 addresses that we have left after the secondary build-out's done. Yeah, I seem to recall that the goal was like 95% coverage, right? That is the goal. Uh, when I came in, the uh, the uh, idea was let's get broadband to every single person we can. Um, after taking a look at all the addresses that we have in uh, Rio Blanco County, 
um, about 5% of those addresses are like well sites and oil wells and, and uh, so forth. So um, we have about 95% of those addresses that we want to reach. And uh, we're on the right track to actually getting that done this year um, for about 65%. And then the last 30% will be in that, that uh, um, secondary phase for those uh, build outs. So let's just talk about the business model then. Uh, often people feel like there's actually like just a challenge to doing fiber to the home in a small community and um, rangely and meek are together like 5,000 or so. Is um, that right? 5,000 as far as people goes. Right. Um, so Meeker has, uh, I think it's about 15, 1600 homes. Mm-hmm. Um, rangely has, um, right about, uh, 12 or 1300 homes. Um, so we're pretty close in, in that we, we actually built fiber out, uh, to every single home in, in the towns. And, uh, it's not aerial, uh, we went direct berry um, to uh, um, increase the longevity of the life of the fiber. And so just th- doing that, building a fiber network to a comparatively small number of homes, I mean, a lot of projects, they're looking for 5,000 homes right. to be viable. That's, that's one set of challenges that you've surpassed. And then the second set is using an open access business model um, in which you're not providing the services directly. So, Correct. So do you have a sense of why that, that was decided? Because we are a municipality, um, we own and operate the network. Um, we also did not want to get into the customer service side of it um, because we are a county. Um, so we did bring in some ISPs. We brought in two ISPs to uh, um, provide that um, end user uh, customer service. Uh, however, the county operates, um, as far as the network goes, up to the DMARC, um, which is actually to the home. And then uh, after that, all of those customer service calls and everything come into those ISPs, and they handle that customer service. And you've limited it to two ISPs. They're not looking we for have. any additional ones. Correct. Uh, we, we, it is an open access, so technically there could be more. But we recognize that for the uh, constituents of our county, that the best option was to offer two um, ISPs. Otherwise, they just don't have enough customers uh, potentially, and one mm-hmm. of them or even two of them could die off. And uh, we want to be able to promote local businesses, and we so we set a minimum on the uh, um, amount that the ISPs can charge. They can charge more, but if you put a minimum, they can't lowball each other. So it does force them to uh, increase their customer service, mm-hmm. um, which in turn is better for our constituents of our county and uh, provides the best quality of service to them for the exact same price. Right. So you're, you're worried about uh, making sure that there's a continuing market as Correct. opposed to just trying to think, oh, we could just lower the price as far as possible. Correct. Yeah. Where we differ as, as a um, county is uh, where a lot of people, a lot of questions I get is, you know, how is that possible? How can the county be the network operator as well? We don't operate as a business. We operate as an enterprise fund. So we're not in it for a profit. Uh, we just need to break even with our expenses every year. Uh, so that benefits the uh, the constituents because we can keep those prices low mm-hmm. where it's more affordable. I mean, most of uh, our uh, constituents in our county um, have low you know, annual income. So they, they can't sit there and say, well, well, you know, I want a gig service and pay what everybody else's pay is charging about what, 200 bucks. Uh, yeah. Depending on where for, you are. Yeah. Depending on where you are. Mm-hmm. We, we offer a gig for $70. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only one that does that is Google. There are a number of municipalities that have um, hit that price point as well, but, but it's, uh, I mean, five years ago, that was crazy to think that we'd be doing right. That. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, nobody would ever thought you could have a true gig to the home for 70 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. It seems to work out really well with our ISPs. 
Um, they uh, they enjoy it. They have enough um, customer base to uh, to definitely keep themselves, um, you know, not only afloat, but uh, I think they're they're kind of soaring at this point. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that's the part that actually really sets you apart, and why. I'm just so amazed is, I mean, you were forecasting, what, 35, 40% take rate in the first year, right? Yes. Uh, initially, that was um, actually, the, it was going to be 40% total um, take rate. And our take rate at this point is 87% <laughs> in, uh, in Meeker and 80% in Rangeley. So, uh, are, are these the normal out, towns? Like, I mean, you know, across the entire United States, we're talking about like 75% of, of Americans take Internet access right. of those who I think can take it roughly. We don't really have good statistics, but nonetheless, in communities that I'm working with, 87% outside out of the gate is unheard of. Yes. Yeah. So um, what do you attribute that to? I said this last year when I when I spoke at, at Mountain Connect and, and I, I kind of liked it. I just came off the top of my head, but... Um, I use the term starving. So uh, all we had access to in Real Blanco County before was CenturyLink and Charter. Um, but because we were so rural, um, they didn't really care about our speeds. Uh, I mean, the max speed that we were offered was were um, 7 megs um, mm-hmm. in some of the places in town. But majority of the place was only 4. Uh, and uh, in today's day and age, with all the technology that we have... Four megs is, is nothing. I mean, you can't even really stream Netflix off of that, let alone do all of your homework that you need. So when we came in and, and offered um, true, you know, 25 over 25 and, and all the way up to a gig um, for those prices, uh, a lot of our constituents were like, wow, that's that's what we need. And, and we were starving for that. So as soon as we had access to it, everybody wanted it. Um, and I, I uh, think that uh, has a lot to do with the pricing as mm-hmm. well. I mean, you can sit there and say, well, I'll offer you 25 or CenturyLink offers you four. But if you're doubling the CenturyLink's price, they're not going to switch because they're limited income. Um, so I think a lot of it has to do with our pricing um, that we have for uh, um, each one of our uh, um, service packages. And um, just the fact that our communities were, were ready for that broadband, you know, and they're, we were wanting it. How's the, uh, the interest been in the rural areas? In the rural areas, uh, I have people every day calling my office, um, calling the ISPs, wanting to know if their house can see one of our towers. People in the rural areas, even though they choose to live out in the country and away from other people, they still need to be connected. They still want that connectivity. Um, So uh, every day I'm finding new homes that uh, people are coming in and building homes in, in, uh, you know, the nooks and crannies of our county. And um, one of the questions they ask is, hey, if I build my house here, can I get Internet? Will I ever have the opportunity to get internet? And uh, since we've kicked off the secondary tower project, um, the the calls just have amplified. Um, people wanting to know when their their house is going to get connected and so forth. Um, so I think that uh, in the rural areas, you know, it's it's just as uh, as wanted it, as it is in, inside the city limits. I had talked to Brian Worthen earlier from Mammoth Networks, yeah. and he said that in part because you're in a smaller community, you, you know everyone. Yes. Um, so you have a sense of people are moving to town in order to take the service, it sounds like. Are, are you any interesting stories about people who have chosen um, to locate there? Yeah, I know of, of eight different families over the last two years that have actually moved um, to uh, Real Blanco County just because of 
the broadband. Um, unfortunately, I can't actually name any of them. They've, sure. they've asked me in the past not to, to divulge that information. But um, one of them, I can say uh, she was a little more open to, uh, to discussing it. Um, she is a online therapist, and she lived in the city for years, um, was tired of the hustle and bustle, and, and um, just wanted that, that slower pace of, of life and that country living. Um, so she scoured the entire United States for rural areas, mm-hmm. um, but because of her job, she required that that strong connectivity. When she heard about Rio Blanco County Broadband, um, she uh, she looked into it and uh, she contacted me and was like, "Hey, I'm looking at renting this property. You know, what can I have for access?" And uh, I let her know, and and uh, she says, "Okay." I will be uh, moving there next week then. Mm-hmm. Um, so she moved specifically because of the broadband, and that was the only reason she picked us. So, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible to uh, to see our community, even though um, we're still a small ranching community, um, that uh, people, you know, really care about connectivity, and, and, it, and for some families it does drive where they live. One of the... One of the entities that benefits the most from networks like this i think often are local businesses for you know in rangeley or meeker they they were also probably stuck with four megabits or so i'm guessing they they were um there were some other businesses that um because they uh the, the type of business they are they they could afford those business packages that uh, centurylink offers and um you know those are just extremely high priced but it was one of those that they decided well if we want to be able to have that uh, that faster service, we got to pay these prices. And um, when it comes to a small town, you don't have a lot of revenue. And if a lot of your revenue is going towards, you know, the the internet, um, then you're not really taking a lot home, or you can't really do expansions onto your your business and so forth. Um, so our broadband that we offer um, to the businesses. We use a GPON network, so um, all of our residences are, are passive, so they, they do share. It's a 16-way split on uh, that fiber connection, but um, for our businesses, we offer them a direct path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they don't have to share. They never have to worry about any lag time or anything, and uh, um, we offer them the exact same price that it is for a resident, uh, so we don't have business packages, so to speak, um, because we understand local businesses, the more money they can put into their business, the better the business is going to be for the constituents of the county. So it benefits everybody. So how did you end up financing the network? We're very different. Real Blanco County is very different as far as how we financed our network compared to the other counties. Um, we are in oil, gas, and coal um, county. Uh, majority of our revenue, um, over 80% of our revenue comes from oil, gas, and coal. Um, we had uh, money we kept putting into uh, to reserves and um, just sitting aside and, um, in case we ever needed it. And uh, we ended up getting some commissioners in that were innovators and understood um, that uh, if we didn't do something with our, our broadband, um, our community could end up dying. Uh, so we ended up getting a, a DOLA fund. Um, the Department Dol- of Local Affairs. Department of Local Affairs uh, funding. Um, it was about $3.5 million that we got uh, with a 50-50 uh, match. Um, the rest of it we took straight out of our county funds, mm-hmm. um, out of our uh, what we call the CCITF funding. Um, so total, the uh, the whole project is, is a, um, almost $17 million. And of that, um, about $12.5 million of it um, came out of our CC- CCITF and about another 
uh, million came out of just revenue over the years. Well, and it's funny enough, Dola, I think, uses money from also taxes on extractive industries. So, yes. So you kind of got uh, double money from... We did. <laughs> yeah, we got some of that money back. So it was kind of nice. Um, but uh, uh, I've talked to many other uh, counties out there, and, and unfortunately, they don't have those those types of reserves. Uh, so they're having to uh, to look more into the federal government for funding and, and so forth. Um, but Real Blanco County, we just got lucky and had the amount of money you know, that we needed, um, and decided to use it all. Now, unfortunately I do have to pay all that back mm -hmm. over the years, but it was something that we were able to use up front and, um, and, uh, get this project off the ground. Uh, most of the time, what I've seen in the research I've done is the project of this, uh, magnitude, both fiber and wireless, um, takes anywhere between five to 10 years for completion. Mm -hmm. and a little bit faster with 87% take rate. <laughs> yes, with the 87% take rate, uh, that does push us a, a little bit faster to get everything done. Um, so we're looking at uh, when we're done with the, uh, the build out, um, we'll have a, uh, about a 92% take rate in our county. And uh, we finished that in four years. So those were so the money you got from the local that's all going to get paid back. So like we basically took a loan from the reserve fund, more or Correct. less. Correct. Yes. Okay. So that that money, um, as soon as we uh, finish our buildouts, which is this year, um, then uh, I will uh, part of my expenses, um, my uh, my annual expenses for my budget, will be going back into putting a portion of that revenue back into the CCITF, so we can start using that money for the other departments in the county um, for other projects that they need to have done as well. Now I imagine the northwest part of Colorado leans very conservative. 87% um, take rate suggests that most people are excited about this project. Yes. Have you heard from anyone who's worried about it or concerned about government getting involved with communications like this? Not me, uh, I, so to speak. Um, my commissioners definitely hear those questions. Mm -hmm. uh, I was, was going to say, everywhere I've ever gone, there's at least one or two people who are very loud. Yes, yes. <laughs> there, there's, there's several people in the, uh, in the community that have expressed um, their concerns about, uh, um, you know, government meddling down into private businesses and so forth um uh which is another reason why we separated uh, my department from the county as an enterprise fund mm -hmm. um but when it comes down to it those those constituents that that were concerned about that they're still using the broadband mm -hmm. so it wasn't a concern you know um, a big enough concern for them to say, well, I'm not going to take that. Right, I'm going to stick with the four <laughs> megabit. <laughs> right. So uh, I, I think our commissioners, um, you know, I, I, I have to um, give it to all of our commissioners, you know, past and, and uh, present um, commissioners, that uh, they've handled those situations, those questions um, very, very well. Even though they do have those, those constituents coming up to them and with those concerns, um, when that's all said and done, those constituents... They, they feel very comfortable about how we're operating, uh, that we're not taking their tax dollars and using them uh, to, uh, you know, for other departments and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, as an enterprise fund, which a lot of people didn't realize and I didn't know until I got into, go into the government, um, when it comes to an enterprise fund, that revenue that we're bringing in from that wholesale that we charge our ISPs to, um, to access our network, I can't use that to say give to road and bridge to buy a new dump truck or a new grader it has to be used inside of my department for fiber um, expansion or wireless expansions so that the um, taxpayers money is, is being used for the taxpayers um, you know even though that there are some taxpayers that don't have the broadband right now 
um, that money that I, I bring in is going to end up serving them eventually. So, sure. they, so they, if there's like a few people who are the hardest to serve, you just have to get a, eventually you'll have enough money to be able to correct, correct. them. Yes. My, my ultimate goal is before I retire from the county is, is to have um, that 95% coverage mm-hmm. um, to, uh, to all constituents, whether it's fiber or wireless. Well, that's, that's got to be pretty far away. I mean, you're only like 50, 55 years old, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> one of the younger so, people at the conference. <laughs> yes, one of the younger people. Um, no, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm 35, and mm-hmm. uh, so I've got a lot of years um, with the county, and, and uh, I'm very passionate about um, this project, and as well as because I grew up in Robonco County, I mean, Robonco County's home, I, I, I left for 15 years, and then all I wanted to do was come back, and I uh, heard about the project and was able to now run the project, um, I can really take all of uh of the constituents in the county and and understand that you know hey this is home Mm -hmm. and you know it's not it's not just an open bank account that we should spend the money on whatever um we need to spend it what's um, the wisest for our constituents and uh make all the taxpayers happy one of the things that we often hear people saying it makes project like this worthwhile even if they cost a lot is giving kids more educational opportunities you feel like that's happening oh absolutely uh, I mean we have uh, we have kids that, that live in these rural areas that all they had were um, were access to satellite um, it was HughesNet um, or wild blue and uh, those those satellite companies you know where they came in um, you know years ago um, to offer internet to constituents that didn't have any internet at all um it was great however they also put a data cap on it and Mm -hmm. and when when you have kids especially with today's day and age um in the educational field i mean kids all have tablets or or chromebooks or and in school and then everything is done digitally now um so when they come home all their homework is done digitally and when you have a data cap and a kid's trying to upload his, his homework to the teacher and you max out your data and you're only in the first week of the month, you know, what are you going to do for the rest of the month? Mm-hmm. So the, this, this Wi-Fi that we offer in those rural areas um, really, really help out the kids. Um, you know, they can watch the YouTube videos. Um, a lot of our teachers are in, in uh, Real Blanco County, are, they, they do uh, um, videos on YouTube for the, their students so that way they can help, you know, do like homeschool or, or home teaching and so forth. Um, and uh, these these kids in the rural areas can now access those YouTube videos without the parents having to worry about maxing out their data, and um, it definitely is. Uh, I think will will increase the uh, the amount of um, educational experience for the children as well as the uh, the knowledge that they they can actually grasp at home. You know, they can mm-hmm. sit there and they can they have an interest in you know wildlife they can start watching videos on that and uh and so forth so um in the educational field you know we offer fiber to the to the schools as well so that gives greater connectivity for the schools they have a lot of webinars or webcams that they do um so i think that that really increases the uh, the kids knowledge and and education in, in the schools because they can see what the outside world is without having to actually leave sure was Project Thor essential for connecting you, or did you already take care of your backhoe no, before then? No, we, we actually uh, were, were uh, almost about, we were over halfway done with our broadband before Project Thor ever actually started. Um, it was a uh, discussion, and I came in on, on the, uh, the, the latter end of Project Thor, um, but it, it was one of those where Real Blanco County, because we already saw what the broadband was doing for our community, 
um, we wanted to be able to give back to the rest of the counties, the surrounding counties in, in the northwestern Colorado, um, as well as, you know, southwestern Colorado, Utah, Wyoming. If we could ever expand it that far, that would be fantastic, too. Um, so we uh, took an, uh, a very deep interest and in, in investment into Project Thor um, and understand that, you know, the more counties that we can get on this ring, the um, lower our, our bandwidth cost is, uh, which makes it more affordable for these rural communities that don't have a lot of, of revenue. These counties that don't have that luxury of, of uh, building their own network, well, now they're paying less for their their connectivity with Project mm-hmm. Thor so they can take some of that revenue and turn around and b- do their own build-outs. Um, so Project Thor, I, I'm 100% on board with that. Um, and I think it's going to be one of the greatest opportunities for northwestern Colorado, um, as well as the, the the whole state of Colorado. Because once we get this going, I think everybody's going to want to jump in on it. Great. All right. Well, All right. thanks for coming on, Cody. Absolutely. It's Thank a, you for it's having a great, me. It's a great place to. Um, it's a great place. I don't have to come visit. I'll tell you that right yes, now. Yes. Yeah. Definitely come visit. I'm fascinated at 87 percent right out the day, right out the gate. That's great. Yeah. It's. I mean, it'd be incredible when you and you're moving into a town and the first thing that somebody says is as a landlord says is well you got fiber optic internet at your house i mean that's that's incredible in a rural community so mm-hmm. um yeah definitely come on by i'll give you a tour of our uh, state-of-the-art data centers that we have and um you know take a look at the uh, the wireless network that we have as well cool thank you you're welcome thank you that was christopher and cody crooks of rio blanco county colorado discussing their fiber optic network we have transcripts for this and other podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter. The handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other podcasts from ILSR, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules Podcast. You can access them wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch the latest important research from all of our initiatives if you subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. While you're there, please take a moment to donate. Your support in any amount helps keep us going. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song, Warm Duck Shuffle, licensed to Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 365 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast.